Thank you, Lord. All right. It's been a while since I was here, and the last time I was here, I shared with you part one of the prophetic word the Lord has given me for our church and for the body of Christ all over the world. And since I was here sharing part one, I usually like every year to at least cover three services with you before I take it to other churches. But other churches know that, and they say, don't wait. We don't know when you'll get back. Give, us, give it all to us right now. And so I was in North Miami sometime back since I was here last, had three services there, and preached on it, and it, it was just so powerful, praise God. And uh, so this is part two today. So let me remind you of what the Lord said to me. Uh, coming into 2024, that it is essential, it's imperative, it is a must, number one, that we stay in faith. Number two, remain focused on the promises of God. And number three, refuse to allow what's happening in the world around you to distract you. And if you will follow those instructions, then your 2024 will be a year of progression, a year of advancement, And then recently, while I was preaching this in Canada, the Lord said, and I want you to include with progression, excuse me, progression and advancement, promotion, promotion. And he says, and your highest expectations will be fulfilled. Now, I'm going to talk about these things today in this part two, and then next Sunday, I'll be back here. And we'll talk about the uh, expectations part of it. Your expectations, highest expectations shall be fulfilled. Anybody got any expectations for 2024? Would you like to see them fulfilled? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you serve the right God. He's able to do it. Amen. Amen. And and remember, I said to you uh, time and time again over the last several years when I bring the prophetic word for the coming new year, that every year I ask the Lord to uh, confirm this with signs following in my life and ministry so that when I take it to the rest of the body of Christ, it will add validity to it. And the Lord has always honored that. He's already doing it, praise God. I'm I'm receiving already uh, progression and advancement and promotion, highest expectations. Not all of them have been fulfilled yet, but some of them already have. And so uh, I can stand before you and say, God is doing it and he's no respecter of persons. And you say, amen. Amen. Now, remember, there is a prerequisite. You say, well, everybody in the body of Christ experienced progression. Will everybody experience advancement? Will everybody experience promotion? No, not necessarily. It is the will of God for everyone to do so but not everyone will follow the instructions. Amen. It's not automatic. It belongs to you, but the instructions were stay in faith. So let's talk about that a little bit more. We discussed it in part one, but let's, let's look at first Timothy chapter four, first of all, and this is where the Lord led me in giving me that prophetic word. And you remember, there's 1 Timothy, there's 2 Timothy. 
There's a lot of instruction in both of those letters to Timothy. A lot of it, most of it, uh, applies to people in ministry, fivefold ministry, but there are principles in there that are applicable to anybody in the body of Christ. So you need to read First and Second Timothy. That's your homework. When you, when you get an opportunity, begin reading First and Second Timothy, every chapter, and, and don't, don't just rush through it. Spend some time listening to what God is saying. But there are three main points that he brought out to me that you and I, uh, and, and even if you're not in full-time ministry, they apply to you. And number one was to stay in faith. Now, let's look at verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Meditate upon these things. Well, once again, to, in, or, in order to meditate on these things, you have to know what things he's referring to. So if you, don't, if you haven't read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then it's not likely you will know what he's talking about. So meditate upon these things. And meditate is more than just reading it, more than just rushing through it, uh, more than just saying, okay, I read First and Second Timothy. Hallelujah. I did what Brother Jerry said. Well, it's more than just reading it, meditating on it, pondering it, rolling it over in your mind and in your heart. Have it on your mind all day long. I do that. I do that. Now, I'm not, in, I'm not praying all day long, but I'm in an attitude of meditating all day long. In fact, that's the reason why it's best for Carolyn to drive wherever we go. Because <laughs> a lot of times I'm meditating. I'm thinking. She knows that's right, she said. <laughs> sometimes when I'm meditating and, you know, I just drive in circles. Where are you going? I don't know. Pull over. Okay. And it's just, it's just, you know, uh, an automobile is a think tank for me. My airplane is a think tank. <laughs> I do a lot of thinking. Amen. 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 I'm meditating. Praise the Lord. I, I'll get out of this service today and I'll, I'll, I'll think about things I said and even think about things I meant to say. You do that, Justin? And sometimes, you know, I, I, I think, oh, I didn't cover that. That was an important point. That's the reason I have notes so I can go back and refer to them. Now, I can preach without notes. I'm doing so right now. Amen. But I write notes and I keep them handy so that I do my best not to overlook something that I thought was extremely important that the Lord said to me that I'm to say to you. Amen. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm meditating all the time. I'm pondering these things uh, in my mind all the time. And one of the things you do when you meditate is you see how that scripture or that promise affects your life. Amen. For instance, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Now, if you think about that, dwell on that, ponder that, and you think about, well, how will this affect my life? Well, if you're not prospering, it will cause you to prosper. Amen. And so 
I remember the first verse I ever began meditating. Our brother Copeland preached back in 1969 uh, where God told Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verse eight. He said uh, that you are to meditate on these things by day and by night. Now, I'd never really thought about, never heard any, well, just kind of the first sermons I'm hearing about this, but I'd, I'd never heard anybody talk about meditating on the word by day and by night. And so Brother Copeland explained that. And so later he went to Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He said, now spend some time meditating on that. And just break it down verse, uh, word by word. My, 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 my what? My God. Oh, hallelujah. You can stop right there. You can camp out right there. Anybody know my God? Is my God your God? My God shall, not might, not maybe, not a strong possibility. He shall supply. What? All. How much? All. See where I'm going with this? As you meditate on it, then it becomes a revelation to you. It becomes real in your heart and you expect it to come to pass. And that was the very first verse that I did that with. Philippians 4.19. Changed my life. Hallelujah. And today, I don't worry about my needs. I do not worry about my needs. I'm not being egotistical. I'm not trying to sound prideful or arrogant. I know that I know that I know because I've meditated on that verse all these years and God has honored it and I do not worry about my needs. Do you have needs? Yes. She just, she just tag team me. Tag team me. <laughs> that verse right there and the meditation on it that he's talking about is truly <clears throat> what set our feet on solid ground. Yeah. When we moved here <clears throat> and had no money and no food and he would leave for three weeks at a time. And I'd go down Seminary Drive, we would, picking up Coke bottles to take, to turn in for five cents a piece so I could gather up enough money to have a loaf of bread and buy SpaghettiOs for my children. That verse, but my God, who's God? Mine. He's mine. He's mine. He's going to supply all of my needs. That God. He's a big God. He's big enough to supply all of my needs. And it was that God that grew so big on the inside of me. He wasn't a little bitty God anymore. He was so big. I could see him as a big God who could do anything and could do everything. 
And it was that God that grew so big on the inside of me. When we had an old car that you didn't even know if it was going to make it down the road. And it would stop at every intersection. And we would have to pray in the Holy Spirit and hit on the dash of the car to make it the transmission engaged to pull you across the intersection so you wouldn't get hit. It's that God who has given us so many cars. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And it's that God. Glory to God. It's the God that's above all gods. When we didn't even have a car that was decent enough to drive. And now Jerry could pick out. And I'll just tell you, 15 or 20 Corvettes, which one he was going to drive today. In his museum, he has a museum of Corvettes. He could pick and choose which Corvette. But let me tell you, he's emptied out that same garage two different times and given them away, given them away, given them away by the dozens, given everything away, emptying it out over and over and over and over. And guess what? It's that God who keeps giving back. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. The water wells Carla was talking about. When I saw the videos of those women with their pots walking seven and a half miles down to get up just a pot of water for their family. And then maybe not even get it because the herders were there all day long. And then have to walk back seven and a half miles with no water for the day. And you have to have water to live. You talk about the compassion of God coming on me. I said, no, Carla, we're going to build those wells. I'm going to build that well. I'm going to drill that well. We're going to do it. Guess what? It's that God who gives you the resources to be able to do these things. It's that God that we serve, the God above all gods. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Give the Lord a shout. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, look at your neighbor and saying, that God is my God. All right, you can be seated. You can interrupt me anytime. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that's the result of meditating. See, back when we first started, we didn't know that. I'd never even read the verse. I'd never even heard the verse. Carolyn probably had at some point in her early life. She'd been filled with the Holy Ghost since she's eight years old. I didn't hear any of this till I was 23 years old. Somewhere along there. 1969, so that would have been 23. And when I, when I heard Brother Copeland say that, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, the first thing that struck me was, well, boy, if this God wants to supply all my needs, he's got a job ahead of him. Because <laughs> I'm deep in debt, 
both my business and personally. And boy, that, that, that verse just came alive in us. And that's what we begin confessing every day that our God supplies all of our needs. Why? Because we spent time meditating on it. We saw how that one verse would change our lives. And it did. Hallelujah. And today, as I said, before I was so graciously interrupted, (laughs) I do not worry about needs. It's wonderful going to bed knowing you have needs, but you don't worry about it. Sometimes I go to bed saying, Lord, your word says you'll be up all night. You neither sleep nor slumber. I'm human. I need some sleep. Go ahead and figure out how you're going to meet my needs. When I wake up, let's talk about it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a great way to live. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Brother Jerry, I don't have time to meditate the word. Well, you don't have any problem having time to worry. And worry is meditating on what the devil said. So you're meditating on something all the time. Either what the devil says, what the world says, and what the world says, get most of it from the devil. Meditation is, is, meditating is doing so with what God says. Amen. Now, meditation is a part of some Eastern religions. They got it from God. Satan hadn't ever come up with something on his own. He just takes something from God and twists it. So don't think meditation, we're getting, ooh. (laughs) Meditation is what God told Joshua he had to do in order to be a success. He said, if you'll do this, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. And the Amplified adds this, and you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord another good shout of praise. So going back to verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely. Give yourself completely. Dedicate yourself to what you find out God says. Uh, uh, Put it first place in your life. Give yourself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Now there's other translation that says that your progress will appear to all. Now that's important. God wants other people seeing the progress you're experiencing because of the God you serve. And the reason that's important to God is because it becomes an attraction particularly in the day and time in which we live today. Amen. And how many of you have noticed the world is getting worse and it's not likely to get any better, particularly for those that don't know God. It can get better for those who do. But the circumstances in the world, is not, they're not likely to change, but they don't have to affect us. I'm in the world, I'm just not of it. Tell your neighbor, I'm in the world, I'm in the world. but I'm not of it. Not of it. They, they, they don't control us. They don't dictate our life. The word of God is, 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 gives the direction for my life. Amen. Amen. So I'm in the world and I know, I know what's going on in the world. I just don't have to 
be suppressed by what's happening like those who don't know God. Can you say amen? amen? So give yourself wholly to these things that your profiting may appear to all or your progress may appear to all. All right, now let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. And we find number one instruction. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Holding faith or holding on to your faith. The Amplified Bible says, holding fast to faith in absolute trust and confidence in God. Holding fast to your faith. Now, the fact that Paul says, as one of his instructions to Timothy, holding on to your faith tells me there is a possibility you can let go of it. Amen. If the instruction is cling to your faith, as another translation says, then there's a possibility you could let go of it. You could, you could release it or you could cause it to become inactive and inoperable. So he says, holding faith. Uh, Once again, the Amplified, holding fast in faith or to your faith in absolute trust and confidence. The New Living Translation says, cling to your faith. The message adds this. There are some who by relaxing their faith have made a thorough mess of their lives. If you relax your faith, you'll end up making a thorough mess of your life. Now, it's one thing when you've never learned anything about faith. But I think it's worse to have learned about faith, what it'll do, and you have seen results and then let go of it. My, my definition of that is, thou art dumb. <laughs> why, would, why would you ever want to let go of your faith? I mean, just think, 54 years now, Carol and I have been living this way. Everything we have has come by faith. Everything we do is by faith. You know, I'm not in Hebrews 11, but I could be. Hebrews 11. And it talks about all those great men and women of God that through faith, by faith, with faith. Talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I guess Paul had to go to heaven. He didn't have time to put in Jerry. Jerry through faith. Jerry by faith, Jerry with faith, Carolyn with faith, Carolyn by faith, Carolyn through faith. Well, our name's in there. Amen. Because everything we have, everything we've done, we've done it through faith. Now, the dumbest thing that she and I could do after living this way for 54 years and see what it's produced and other people see what it's produced and then let go of it. My mama didn't raise a fool. Amen. I'm not about to let go of it. And no other message out there that tickles people's ears will ever tickle mine. I'm I'm sold. I'm solid. I'm locked into this, praise God. This is all I've ever known since I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I don't want to know anything else. Amen. Amen. You hear me today, living by faith, the Lord Terry 
another 25 years, you'll still hear, I'm living by faith. Not only that, I plan to die in faith. The Bible talks about living by faith. It also talks about people who died in faith. Well, that's exactly the way I intend to go. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus said, when the son of man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? Shall he find faith in the earth? Well, if the Lord returns while I'm still alive, he's going to find me believing him for the biggest thing I've ever believed for. Doing more than I've ever done before and doing it through faith. Hallelujah. When I'm caught up with all of you that'll be caught up I'll wave by and say, if I was still there, I would have finished the job. Hallelujah. And while I'm gone, if you don't go with me, you can have my car. But in seven years, I'm coming back to pick it up and you better take care of it. (laughs) Better not have a lot of miles on it when I'm gone now. Okay. (laughs) So those, there are some who by relaxing their faith, have made a thorough mess of their lives. I see Christians like that all over the world. I see ministers like that all over the world. I'm I'm not limited to Crowley, Texas. I'm not limited to Fort Worth, Texas. I'm not limited to Texas. I'm not limited to the United States. I see the body of Christ on a large scale all over the world. And, and, And I've seen it happen time and time again. You know, people relaxing their faith, losing their grip on faith. And I've also seen as a result of it, they've made a thorough mess of their lives. Amen. So don't allow your faith to become inactive. We read this in the first uh, lesson in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, where Jesus prayed for Simon and said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. The word sift means to extract something from you, to take something out of you. And he said, Satan desires to have you that he might take something out of you. Well, it's pretty obvious what Jesus was referring to because in the next verse he says, but I prayed that your faith will not fail. So Jesus is saying, Simon, Satan is endeavoring to extract your faith from you but I'm praying that it will not fail. The little Greek says, I'm praying that your faith will not be reduced to inactivity. So inactive faith is faith that's not producing anything. Amen. Inactive faith is faith that's not seeing results. So don't ever allow your faith to become inactive. Amen. Now, number two, remain focused. Well, but hold on just a moment. I've got a couple other verses. Colossians chapter one, Verses two and three, if you continue in faith, grounded and settled, notice continue in faith. So the, the, the attitude of the apostle Paul is that if you start in faith, then continue in faith. Look at your neighbor and say, if you start in faith, then God expects you to continue in faith. First Timothy chapter four, verse one, in the latter days, I mean, if you believe we're in the last days, in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith. We're already seeing that, but you don't have to be one of them. Amen. Don't depart from faith. Now, number two, 
Remain focused on the promises in God's word. Remain focused on the promises in God's word. Go uh, up to verse four in 1 Timothy chapter one. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith to do. Now, the Passion Translation says it this way. Do not follow the era of deceptive doctrines, nor pay any attention to cultural myths or traditions. Stay focused on the promises of God. Now, myths is defined as that which serves to explain the world's view and accept it as truth. That's a myth. It's that which endeavors to explain to us the world's view. Uh, You could put in parentheses, CNN. (laughs) Most of what you hear on CNN is myth. It's designed to give you the world's view and sell it to you as truth. No, there's only one thing that is real truth. Jesus said to the Father, thy word is truth. And the word truth is defined as the highest form of reality that exists. The word of God is the highest form of reality that exists. So don't don't, uh, focus on myths, things that the world says and are trying to get you to accept as truth. No, stay focused on the promises of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And one of those promises is Philippians 4.19. No matter what's going on in the world, thank God I can focus on Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Next time you hear the media saying, you know, uh, times are getting worse, the economy's bad, everything's crashing, you just say, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What are you doing? You're focusing on the promises. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, the church in Galatia was guilty of doing this. They, They became distracted. The Apostle Paul came in there teaching truths about what Christ had provided for them, what the redemption provided for them, and they got excited about it. And then false teachers came in right behind them and and uprooted the truths that Paul was teaching them. And he said in Galatians chapter uh, 3, I believe it is, chapter chapter 3 and verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who hath bewitched you? Listen to how the message translation says. Have you taken leave of your absences? Or have you taken leave of your senses? The message translation says, have you taken leave of your senses? It's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ in clear view or clear focus in your lives. Have you, have you left what you were supposed to focus on in the beginning? Christ and what his redemption or his redeeming you has provided for you? 
He said, have you taken leave of your senses? It is obvious you are no longer focused on the crucified Christ. So what is he saying? They're not, they're, they, they're not focusing on the promises of God and what Jesus has bought and paid for us. This is the way that you overcome what's happening in the world is you stay focused on the promises. Focused on the promises. Anybody know how many promises there are in the Bible? A bunch. (laughs) Amen? A bunch. Hallelujah. And they're all for you. Glory to God. To lose focus of Christ and what he did for you at Calvary is also to lose focus on what he promised us. Amen? Amen. So, number three, refuse to be distracted by what's happening in the world around you. Second Timothy chapter three, go there with me. Notice we're finding all this in, in first and second Timothy. These are the things that Paul told Timothy that he must meditate and give himself holy to. This is the, the, the word that the Lord gave me about 2024, that we are to do the same thing that God, or that Paul told Timothy. Meditate on these principles and give yourself wholly to them so that your progressing will be seen by all. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, now, the point is, refuse to be distracted by what's happening in the world around you. So know this, that perilous times shall come. The Amplified defines perilous times as times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Not impossible, but hard to deal with and hard to bear. And then the solution to it, the way that we can live above it, is in verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in the word. Continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've been assured of. Has anybody that's been a member of this church for at least a year, has, have you been assured of anything since you've been here? You should have been. How many of you are assured that God wants to supply your needs? No doubt about it. How many of you are sure or been assured that God wants you well, living in health? No doubt about it. Then the Bible says, continue in that. So no matter what's happening in the world, that doesn't change the word of God. Amen. So don't allow it to distract you. Amen. The Amplified Bible says, continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced. Is anybody in here convinced of some things? You know, when you're convinced of something, it's hard to get it out of you. You know, I remember the first time Carol and I went to Israel, we went as an invitation to a a large group of people. I think there were 
close to 100 people on that tour, 80 to 100 people on that tour. And the minister who was leading it, we, we had just met him through one of our board of directors who knew him. And he wanted us to go to Israel with him. And so uh, most of the people on that tour, they, they loved God. It was obvious they loved God. And they were looking forward to this trip to Israel. And, but a lot of them uh, had a lot of religious tradition. Okay. And one of them came up to me. We're standing in the airport in JFK. And one of them come up to me and he says, have you had the swine flu yet? I said, no, and I won't. Thank you. For one reason, I thought, I don't hang around swine. How am I going to swine flu? You know? He said, you haven't had the swine flu yet? I said, no, I haven't. And I won't, thank you. He said, well, I had it and I believe God gave it to me. Well, I didn't know God hung around swine. Swine. In the Bible, Jesus didn't care for swine at all. Amen? I mean, he cast devils out of a man and they all went into swine. And the swine jumped off the mountain and drowned themselves. Amen? So when... When was God hanging around swine? It has to be a transmittable disease, isn't it? Well, I'm just joking with that. But anyway, I said, you mean you really believe God gave you the swine flu? Yes. Got real religious on me. Yes. Hallelujah. (laughs) I said, sir, what purpose would it serve for God to give you the swine flu. Well, it made me more compassionate for people who have the swine flu. I said, then what you're telling me is before I can be compassionate to a drug addict, I have to be a drug addict first. Well, no, I said, that's what you said. You mean for me to be compassionate toward an alcoholic, I have to have been an alcoholic first. Well, no, I said, that's what you said that the only way that you could be compassionate with people with a swine flu, you had to have the swine flu and God gave it to you so you could be more compassionate? I said, sir, that doesn't make sense. Well, he wasn't real happy with me. Never talked to me again the whole trip. (laughs) But that was in 1976. Here it is, 2023. And I still have never had the swine flu. Amen. Why? Because it's it, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. And whatever symptoms might come on us, the Bible says if we resist the devil, he will flee. Hallelujah. Amen. So we must continue in the things which we have learned and been assured of and been convinced of. I'm convinced that I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm convinced of it. I'm redeemed from the curse. Say it out loud. I'm convinced I am redeemed from the curse and nobody will ever talk me out of it and give the Lord another shout. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Amplified says, continue to hold to the things 
that you have learned and which you have been assured of and convinced. The message translation says, difficult times are ahead. Difficult times are ahead. But once again, the solution is we just continue to hold to the things we've been assured of and convinced of, and we will make it through whatever comes our way. Can you say amen? Amen. Now I want to go back to the thought, go back to first Timothy chapter four. That thy profiting may appear to all. That thy profiting may appear to all. This is, this is why God wants us to progress. It's why God wants us to advance. And it's why God wants us to experience promotion in our lives. That our, our progression, our advancement, our promotions will appear to all. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, from you, Paul talking to this group of believers, from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God, to Godward, is spread abroad. Now, that's what the word, uh, in, in one translation, it says uh, that you're, you're uh, profiting may appear or be evident to all. That's what the word evident in the little Greek means, spread abroad. In other words, when people see you progressing, you have evidence that you're progressing by your relationship with God and through his word, then it will be evident or it will spread abroad. In other words, other people are going to notice it. A lot of times you don't have to preach to anybody. They just observe how you live, your lifestyle. And they'll want to know. How are you doing this? Where are you getting all this? Now that's what Paul is saying here to the church in Thessalonica. He says, in every place, your faith to Godward is spread abroad. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, speaking to the same group of people, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly. In other words, he's saying, everybody has noticed that your faith is growing. And when your faith is growing, there's evidence of it. Amen. Amen. Your faith growing, there will be evidence of it. Carolyn mentioned a few moments ago, when we first started out, when we moved to Fort Worth. The old car we was driving had over 100,000 miles on it. I bought it total wrecked and rebuilt it. You couldn't tell it ever been wrecked, but the engine already had 100,000 miles on it. It's all I could afford. You know how much I paid for that car? $185. It was a 64 Olds 98 luxury sedan that luxury had left that car long before we got it. <laughs> and it, it was in a salvage yard. And I bought it because that's all I had. I bought the car for $185.50. And I went to work on it. And I rebuilt it. And I repainted it. Was, it was beautiful. It was a bright yellow and had green interior. Later I called it, I thought maybe you saw a picture. 
I didn't know I still had pictures of it. Anyway, later, after we finally, our faith grew, we were able to get a 1969 Pontiac Bonneville. Amen. Now, this is in about 73, and we was able to get that 69 Pontiac Bonneville. The Lord blessed us with it. Okay? And I really believe, I didn't know who, who bought it for us, but I really believe Brother Copeland's daddy did it. And uh, anyway, uh, we got the 69 Pontiac Bonneville. And so I sold that, that uh, O's 98 to a, a used car lot on Berry Street. In fact, I hadn't been down there in years. Another day, I, I drove by there just to see that if that car lot was still there. It was. And I drove by Brother Copeland's office that I first worked in in a little, little old, tiny building. I thought, boy, have we, have we progressed. My, my office and Brother Copeland's office, which he shared with his father, it was his father's insurance office. And his father let him have two offices in it. And my office was the hallway that went to the bathroom. Anytime anybody had to go to the bathroom, I had to leave my office. Because the hallway wasn't, I built, I built uh, shelves in there to put tape duplicators on. And I would stand and, 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 and duplicate these tapes, reel-to-reel tapes back then. But my back was against the wall on this side. So if somebody had to go to the bathroom, which was around the corner, I had to leave my office. Because they couldn't get by has anybody been out to KCM recently? Amen. Would you call that progressing? Yes. Advancing? Yes. Amen. Amen. And so I went by that little office not too long ago and I thought, my goodness, have we ever progressed? In fact, Brother Copeland, talk, Brother and I, Copeland and I talk about it all the time. Talked about it during this trip that I was with him in Omaha. Progressing. It's evident. And it's going abroad. Okay, not just a broad meaning worldwide, which it has, but beyond you. Somebody else is noticing how you've been blessed besides just you. Amen. 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 So that's what Paul is telling these people. And in verse six of the first, of first Thessalonians chapter one, Paul tells them that because of how they have progressed in their faith, which also pr- produces progression in, in material needs. They have become examples to others throughout their region. The King James says in samples, but it's, it's another word for examples. In other words, they have become an example to everybody that knows them. People notice their progress and, and they're advancing and it became an attraction to the God that they serve. Now, Proverbs 4.18, the message translation says this. The ways of right living people, the King James says the just, the ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. That's progression. Amen. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. Amen. Is anybody shining brighter today? Is anybody bright, shining brighter today than the day when you first made Jesus Lord? Can you, can you testify to that? Praise God. I'm shining a whole lot brighter. Glory to God. Now, that's one of the things that Jesus said that we are to do. Matthew 5, 14. Ye are lights. Ye are the light of the world. 
Jesus calls us light of the world. The message translation says, you are to be light, so shine. You are to be light, shine. And then later in the message translation, Jesus said, you will prompt people to open up to God. If you shine, you will prompt others to open up to the God you serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Progress and advancement in our lives is one of the ways that God causes our lives to become an evangelistic tool. Amen. Your very life can win others to Christ. And that's one of the reasons why in 2024, with the way the world is going, why it is so important to God that you progress and you advance and you experience promotion because he wants to use you because there's still a lot of people that have never made Jesus the Lord of their lives. And he wants the progression, advancement, and promotion in your life to be an attraction. They'll be attracted to you and being attracted to you, they'll be attracted to the God you serve. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God for that. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. People being drawn to us will also cause them to be drawn to God. Psalm 126 says that when the heathen see how God has been good to us, they will begin to say, Psalm 126 too, the Lord hath done great things for them. Now notice, even the heathen are talking about our promotion. The heathen are talking about our progression. The heathen are talking about how we're advancing. They'll say, the Lord hath done great things for them. The goodness of God and the blessings of God increasing in our lives is an attention getter. Hallelujah. Psalm 92, 12 says, the righteous shall flourish. Let me see the hands of all the righteous. Look at your neighbor. Keep your hand up and say, you are sitting next to one of the righteous. Keep sitting next to me. And it'll probably get on you. You'll begin to flourish like never before. And then tell them, go ahead and touch me. It'll be all right. Praise God. Amen. The righteous shall flourish. That sounds like promotion, increasing, progressing, advancing. The word flourish means to thrive, to increase, to grow luxuriantly. Wow. To grow luxuriantly. (laughs) To abound and to be in a prosperous state. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when you live in a prosperous state, you can eat anywhere you want. McDonald's, if you want to. And sometimes I do. I was at a McDonald's one time and said, Brother Jerry, you eat at McDonald's? Yeah. Why? I like it. I get the big breakfast there, praise God. Used to be I could only get the biscuit and a sausage, but now I get the big breakfast. Hallelujah. I'm flourishing. Hallelujah. And then they see me eat in one of the fanciest restaurants in Fort Worth. That's what a state of prosperity is. You can eat anywhere you want to eat. 
One, one, one preacher told me, he said, you know, uh, one of the things I love about you is you wear your prosperity well. I like that. He said, you, well, you wear your prosperity well. When, when Jerry Ann came in today, she said, daddy, you look so handsome. It's what I do, man. It's what I do. <laughs> hey, there was a time when I came to work with Brother Copeland, I had one suit. And we went to, what was that store? It was a store that used to be all over Fort Worth. I don't remember what the name of it, but it was a, a low end, you know, and I was able to go in there and buy five shirts for $20. With the ties. <laughs> and I had this one suit. And I just, I just turned the shirt and the tie. Back then, Brother Copeland didn't go anywhere for one night. Three weeks. The first week he said it takes to get them to, 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 it takes to break through all the unbelief. Second week they start listening to you. Third week we have a move of God. And I had one suit for three weeks. And that suit, you've heard me tell it. That suit a lady bought for me in a rummage sale in Shreveport before we moved to Fort Worth. And it was a 100% wool, double-breasted. Do you know what 100% wool in the summertime in Fort Worth feels like? 100% wool is double-breasted. I was watching the Untouchables one night. I saw I saw Al Capone in that suit, <laughs> and I got this one suit, and I wore it everywhere we went. And I just changed the shirt and the tie, made it look like I had a whole wardrobe. But it's one suit. <laughs> and then the first time the Lord began to bless me with suits, Odessa, Texas. We were in a meeting there, Brother Copeland, and, and after the service, the morning service, I'd go out in the streets and witness. And I'm walking around the streets, and I found this young Mexican boy, and I began to witness to him. He was in rags, and I led him to the Lord. Got him filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, give him your suit. I said, Lord, I got to be in the meeting this afternoon. He said, give him your suit. So I, I went to my room and I got that suit and I brought it back to him. I said, I want to give you this suit. And he was so grateful. So I'm walking back to the room, the hotel, and I walked by a, a men's store on Main Street there in Odessa. And it had a sign, men's clothes, 50% off. Well, it wouldn't have mattered if they was 100% off. I didn't have a dime. <laughs> But I went in there and I went in there and it was a Jewish man who owned the store. And I said, uh, he said, can I help you? I said, I'm just looking. He said, well, what size are you? Now, back then I, I wore 38 regular. I'm, I'm still in the boys division. <laughs> but today I only wear a 40 regular. And I'm, I'm about to turn 77. I'm, I'm looking good. Hallelujah. I'd appreciate a little confidence here. But I wore a 38 regular then. And he had three suits in there, 38 regular. He said, this is your size. 
He said, try to, I said, no, I'm, I'm just looking. I never told him I don't have any money. I can't afford it. I just said, I'm looking. He said, no, try them on. So he talked me into trying it on. He said, now I can, I can have it altered for you in about an hour. All three of them. I said, that, thank you. That's, that's wonderful. But I'm just looking. So I left and I went back to the hotel. Brother Copeland's daddy knocked on my door and said, Jerry, where you been? I said, I've been out in the streets. He said, uh, well, there was an, uh, an envelope that was put in the offering last night and it had on the front of it, please give this to the little boy who works for Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> That's exactly what it said. <laughs> I assume that was me, hallelujah. <laughs> so I took that envelope and I opened it and I counted the money in there. And it was exactly what those three suits would cost. I ran back to that store. I said, sir, I've got the money to buy those three suits. He said, I knew you would have already altered them for you. He already had them altered for me. He said, now, while you were gone, and it was just cold. It was a cold day in, in, in Odessa. He said, now, while you were gone, we had a sale on top coats. I didn't even know what a top coat was. He said, it's what you wear over your suit when it's cold. He said, now how much money you got? Well, I had enough for what those three suits cost. He said, well, we had another sale while you was gone. Now you got enough for the three suits and the top coat with what I had. Hallelujah. And it was the first time, the first time that I was working for Brother Copeland. When I went back to my room, I was in a dilemma. I was betwixt two. I didn't know which suit to wear. Which one do I wear first? So I picked one out. I put it on. I mean, I was beaming like a possum. I couldn't wipe the smile on my face. I went and knocked on Brother Copeland's door to take him to the meeting. I'm standing there in my new suit. And I just knew he was going to say, wow, that's a good looking suit. Jerry, where'd you get it? He didn't say a word. Drove him to the meeting, didn't say a word. Drove him back, didn't say a word. That night, I decided to wear a second suit. Surely he'll notice this is a different suit than that Al Capone suit I've been wearing all the time. Didn't say a word. Next morning, I wore my third suit. Surely he'll notice this one. Didn't say a word. We got back to the hotel and just as he was started in his room, he opened the door again and said, stuff works, don't it, boy? And then he shut the door. <laughs> and it's been working ever since, hallelujah. I have distributed clothes all over the world. I can't wear all the clothes God's blessed me with. I progressed. Amen. That's, that's what God wants to do, why he wants to do it. Not just so our lives will be better, but because I've progressed, I've been able to help other people progress. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Are you still here? So flourish means to thrive, to increase, to grow luxuriantly, to abound, and to be in a prosperous state. So don't you think that when you're in a prosperous state, somebody's going to notice? And they're going to want to know how. And that's when we become evangelists, every one of them. Every one of us. If we vow to give all the glory to God, 
for how he's blessed us and how that we're experiencing increase and how that we're flourishing, then his promise to us is this. Psalm 115 verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Hallelujah. If any of you have children in here sitting next to you, just lean down and tell them you got it made. You got it made. Hallelujah. It's a good thing you were born to me. The Passion Translation says, God himself will fill you with more. Blessings upon blessings will be heaped upon you and on your children. Hallelujah. I call that progressing, advancing, experiencing promotion. Wouldn't you agree? Now, let me just inject this right here before we close today. Regressing has never and will never be the will of God for our lives. To regress means to go backwards. That's never the will of God for our lives. The only people who regress, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, are these kind of people. Isaiah 1, 4. They have forsaken the Lord. They have uh, provoked the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and they are gone backward. When, when you forsake the Lord, to forsake the Lord is to forsake His Word as well. When you feel no need for God in your life anymore, and you have no regard for His Word, and you provoke Him, and you can read Psalm 78 and find out how people revoked Him, provoked Him. They continually they continually murmured and complained. And no matter how many miracles he performed in her life, it was never enough. But can he do this? But can he do this? But can he do that? Every challenge, they wondered, yeah, but is this too big for him? And they provoked him. And another way they provoked him was with the words of their mouth. Okay. And it says in Psalm 78, 41, as a result of them provoking him, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They put limitations on God. So once again, the only people that the Bible says regress, and they do so because of their own ways, not because God's causing them to regress, but the only people that regress are people that forsake God. They have no regard for his word anymore. And and they provoke him with their words then they go backwards. And as they're going backwards, then they continue to limit God in their lives. I I, I looked up a definition for backwards. Everybody knows what backwards mean, but I thought it was interesting what I found. The reverse of what is normal. The reverse of what is normal. And what is normal with God? Go forward. That's the reverse of what is normal with God. God's instruction is always go forward. To go forward is to advance. To go forward is to progress. To go forward is to experience promotion. To advance is to improve and to make better. Uh, To experience uh, promotion. And recently the Lord said to me, I want you to include in that prophetic word, not only progression and advancement, but promotion. Promotion in 2024. One of the definitions of promotion is the raising in rank or position. The raising in rank or position. 
my, my position as, as, a, as, a, as a person, my position as a, as a child of God has, has increased considerably. Amen. It has been raised. My position as a minister in the work of the kingdom has raised considerably. I'm now considered a, a, a spiritual father to people all over the world. In fact, in several of the meetings I was in in Canada, now I don't call myself this, but this is the way they introduced me. And John was there with me. He said, we have one of the generals in faith with us tonight. Well, I don't go around calling myself a general, but that's what people see in me. After all, I've been doing this for 54 years. I'm not a buck private. Amen. So I've, I've experienced promotion. Amen. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. So how many of you are believing for promotion in your job and, and, and in your stature of life? How many of you believe for promotion? Hold your hands up. Well, just about everybody in here. Justin, come and pray for promotion over everybody. Pray for promotion over everybody in here. Keep your hands up while they pray. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you are the God of increase. Thank and we you, declare Father. that you are the God of promotion. Yes. That you take us from glory to glory, from faith to yes. faith, and strength to strength. Lord, I thank you as they have set themselves to worship you, as they have set themselves you, to fear you, according to Psalms 115, you will increase them more and more. more. I thank you this is the season of going higher and not going lower. Yeah. I thank you, Lord, they will promote beyond every addiction they face. They will promote beyond every, every even the financial status they've been at for years. Thank They'll you. promote to the yes. next level. The You're next the God level. of promotion. You're the God of favor. I thank you that favor surrounds about them yes, like a Father. shield. I thank you, Lord, that you change rules and laws. Thank you, Father, that you make room for them. Thank you that you put their gifts before God great men. Thank you that this is their season yes. of promotion. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. And look right here. If you can read my writing, what did I put there? Listen to this. Hallelujah. Can you read my writing? We are in a season of promotion. That's what he just prayed. Amen. We are in a season of promotion. Amen. Lift your hands and say, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. Now, Psalm 75, thank you, Justin, verses six and seven say this, promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. And the next verse starts with, but God. This is telling us that we should depend upon the true source of promotion. The true source of promotion, and that's God. The real purpose for promotion is that it puts us another step closer to fulfilling all that God wants to do in our lives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And what did the apostle John say that God's greatest desire for us is? I wish that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you've heard me say it many times in the past. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to experience advancement, progression, promotion, not just so your life will be better, but so that you can be a blessing to others. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10, the Amplified Bible says, 
that as we bless others, look for opportunities to bless others, as we sow into others' lives, God's promise to us is he will multiply our resources for sowing. That simply means the more you bless others, the more God will give you to not only take care of your needs, but plenty left over so you can bless others in a greater way. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. More to give, more to share, and more to be a blessing. God wants you to progress and to advance and to experience promotion so you can enter into the true essence for living. 1981, the Lord appeared to me in Charlotte, North Carolina, gave me the sermon on sowing and famine. It's gone around the world. I've impacted many, many people all over the world. And in that visitation, he also said this, tell the people, the reason I want them out of famine and the reason I want them to experience prosperity is because it's the essence of living. And I preached that message. Carly, you were in those meetings. I preached that message all over the world. (coughs) That the essence of living is giving. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. Life is more than just what you possess. Real life is how much do you give away? How much of your life do you share with others? Amen. So that's the reason why that God wants us to progress, to advance, to experience promotion is so that we can enter into the true reason why we're here is to experience the essence of living. Amen. Amen. You receive that today? Give the Lord another good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Say this with me. 2024 is my year for progressing, advancing, experience promotion. It's the season for promotion. And I give my God praise for it. Hallelujah.